Mold and peeling plaster dusted up the air. But beneath that, John could smell something else. Something like old vegetables left in the sink. Bird shit and bits of crumbly drywall crunched under his feet, and he could see little floating particles dance through the air in the cone of light. He squinted against the harsh gray glow of the beam as he arced it around the entryway, examining his surroundings. The entry was, or had been, a large open room with a hallway leading to a section of what John guessed were bedrooms in the back. Now it was a mausoleum to what the house had been. Furniture, a couch, and a coffee table still sat in the central area, as though one day the owners had simply left, right in the middle of everything. Then he saw them. His eye caught the little bright yellow tuft, and he stooped down to look closer, realizing there was another beside it. Sickly yellow fuzz, protruding from a mushy body of feathers and bone, sat like a snowball dropped to melt on the floor. Thicker, black hair stuck out from the yellow tuft here and there, and almost seemed to wiggle. John realized they were, or had been, birds, and as he moved his light about, he began to see the rest. Hundreds of them, dotted about the floor, and the banisters like so much debris that John had simply failed to notice them at first. Molded and rotting, they had sprouted hairs in the summer heat, hidden from the sunlight, and festered where they fell. Something heavy fell to the ground then, with a thud near the hallway. John turned sharply and saw the woman, naked, head to toe in the sharp white light. Mom? The recognition was fleeting and false, but there for a moment. No. Her arms were too long, the elbow joints didn't fit quite right, and the stooped posture gave her a more ape-like appearance than she, or anyone, had in life. Her hands and face raised to the sky, she screamed loudly, and the light from the keychain went out. Battering at the light in the dark, the keys jangled stupidly as John managed to work the flashlight back on. The woman and the screaming were gone, but from the back rooms beyond the hallway where she had been, John could hear something heavy being dragged across the floor. He moved quickly, without thinking, and followed. Stop, John called, half out of habit and half fear. He heard his own voice as he rounded the corner of the hall, less commanding and more pleading than he had ever heard it on the job. The heavy metal ganister of gasoline smacked against his leg as he moved, awkward as he tried to swing the heavy thing in time with his steps. I'm too damn old, John had time enough to think, feeling the strain on his tired body. The doorway at the end of the hallway slammed shut and he followed, throwing himself into it as he jerked at the handle to open. Instead, the whole door and frame splintered and came apart like the soft, rotting wood that it was. The momentum carried John forward and through the doorway, falling into the darkness below. He hit the ground a moment later, hearing a loud metallic clang as the canister flew wild and stars burst into his eyes. A pain ripped through his right arm like lightning, and he screamed out in pain and fear. Warm, wet stone pressed against his cheek as he curled up his knees and rocked his arm against his chest. Thankfully, the LED was still within arm's reach and working just fine. He lay there like that for a moment, breathing and trying to understand the damage that had been done. Something had broken in his arm. He was sure of that. Feeling it now, the shoulder and everything above the elbow felt like fire. John had time to sit himself up before he realized the heavy breathing he had been hearing was coming from outside himself. A scratching sound moved closer to him from somewhere beyond the cold light of the beam. I need your help, John, the raspy voice cried. Please, my boy, my boy, please help me. 
Shuffling sounds were coming toward him from the other end of the cellar, somewhere in the dark. And that voice, he knew it so well. But how? John raised the flashlight's beam to the corner where the voice had come from. He saw the figure crawling on the ground toward him, naked and prostrate, arms outstretched for help, his face contorted and pleading and in pain, getting closer. Please, my boy, my boy, why won't you help me? Johnny, he pleaded. Johnny, help me up, help me up. Help your old man up, Johnny, please. It was his father. It was his father as he had last seen him. His hair was still long and bedraggled. A five o'clock shadow of snow patched across his face, skin yellowing. But now he was on the ground, in the basement of the house in Langmore Street. His hospital gown was long gone, and his legs dragging behind him after the stroke had rendered them useless. You're not my father, John managed, shaking his head. He rose to his feet, ignoring the scream from his arm as he did so, and took a step backward. He looked back and up the way he had fallen, but the door was now on the ledge above him, and he would need something to stand on to get back out. Hell, that's if the arm was even working. Stupid, 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 he thought, a twinge of panic dancing toward him. He couldn't get out. He was trapped in the basement now. With it. With the thing that had killed those boys. With the thing pretending to be his father. Johnny, please, what are you doing? The thing on the ground pleaded. Please help me. I've fallen and I can't get up, John. Please, why did you leave me down here? Why did you do this to me? I didn't leave you down here. You're not my father. My father died 20 years ago in the county hospital, you disgusting wretch. John was terrified, but he was angry too. He took a step back and tried to reach into his pocket for the service revolver, but his arm wouldn't, couldn't move. His fingers were locked in a ball, and as his feet stepped backward again, he felt the wall press against him. The thing that was his father was almost upon him. He managed his left hand into the pocket, bending painfully to do so, and removed the gun. He cocked the hammer back strangely with his off hand, aimed down on the thing, and pulled the trigger. The retort was like a cannon going off in John's ear, and the thing vanished in a flash of dust and smoke. John's ears were ringing furiously now, and his eyes stung from the flash. He cursed and winced as his ears hummed, but wasted no time. He picked the LED up from the ground and cast it about the cellar. Sweat dripped down on his forehead in the prickling heat of the basement, blinking through the thick yellow spores drifting in the air like so much smoke. Sections of the floor had been broken through, wet wood crumbling over time. Tiny white mushrooms poked out of the wood like fingers, their tips stubby yellow digits. Pale and milky threads extended from the bits of plank, like roots searching across stone for solid ground. The LED exposed a solid knot of these threads, so white and slime-covered, he was certain this thing had never seen light before. No need for skin or color or protection from the sun when he lived in the dank and dark places. The fingers nearest John moved a little, or he thought they did, but when he turned the beam to face them directly, they were still again. Bent, though, he thought, looking at the way they had tilted toward him. Once more, he thought of the thing he had come here for, deeper somewhere in the shadows, and that it knew he was here. He turned back the way he had come, looking for the gas canister. John found it not far from where he fell, and retrieved it painfully, holding the light with his bad arm as best he could. Pulling the old lighter that had been his father's, his real father, he thought with a shudder, and checked that it still worked. True to the day his daddy had bought it, 
it still breathed a small yellow flame. At this, though, something deeper in the cellar let out a low moaning sound, loud enough to hear over the ringing in his ears, and the whole room seemed to get hotter. John felt his collar tighten, and the canister felt heavy again, too heavy to hold. He put it down, almost dropped it, before doubling over himself and retching. What little had been in there was already gone, and he coughed and spit dryly. His heart was pounding in his chest. The air was thick, and he gulped at it in hot chunks between coughs. That was when he saw the door. Not so much the door itself, but the gap in the white reflection of the slime-covered walls. Rectangular and pitch black, like a hole cut into nothingness. Between the sweat and tears stinging him, he cast the LED beam toward and over the thing. His eyes focused, and he could see the little brass knob, half-cocked open, still exposed out of the living wall. And he saw the drag marks, too, where something heavy had been drugged through. John righted himself, wiping at his eyes and brow, and picked the canister back up with his good arm. That was when he saw the boot a few feet from the door. Just a simple boot, old, and worn years before the fungus had worked its milky yellow tendrils through the rough leather, eaten half the thing into a mushy yellow goo. But John still recognized it, and knew who it had belonged to. John put the light down, holding the beam steady on the door, and with his good arm, unscrewed the top of the canister. In the pungent cellar air, John could smell the gasoline fumes strongly, and thought, not for the first time, how much he loved that smell. The coils around the room, long arms of fungi, began to move in earnest now, and John could see under the blanket, with a little yellow eruption near the bottom, the boots had shifted. Thumbing the LED gingerly off the ground with his throbbing arm, the good one still holding the gas, John pressed on. He ignored the sickly sweat that ran over his forehead now. He ignored the pounding in his chest and ears, his heavy, ragged breathing as he lugged the canister forward. He ignored the awful feeling deep underneath it all that screamed at him to run away. He nudged the door open with his foot and let the light fall inside. The thing that had been old Sam Trafford twitched and recoiled at the light. The body that had been human was slumped against the back wall of the tiny closet covered by a blanket of yellow tuft. From where the head would have been, curled stemmed fungi protruding upright from a broken and fuzz-covered skull, reaching toward the ceiling and outwards like many outstretched hands. As he watched, the things pulsated and moved in odd jerky motions away from where the beam fell, looking more like the anemone from some deep ocean trench than any earthly thing John had ever seen. His stomach rolled again, and he could feel and hear his heartbeat in his ear over the ringing. It was not a question of his eyes, but his mind trying to accept what he was seeing. The sickness, the infestation in this house, was eating it from the inside out. Some unnatural parasite had burrowed its way into the place, crawling out of old Sam's head, and permeated every board and stone and nail. How long had it been here? How long had old Sam been missing? One of the arms of the thing danced wavily in the air slowly, as if suspended on a current of water John could not see or feel. It moved delicately downwards, and John shifted the light and saw what had been wrapping itself around. One boot had fallen off, but the other had stayed on its owner. Beneath a mat of yellow, the toe of one leather boot still poked through. The other fungi avoided the light, 
Instead, it seemed to be trying to reach around it, extending itself forward without touching it. Many nights, John had hauled those boots in with their owner to sober up. Old Sam had never put up much of a fight or argument when he saw the lights, either. Sam had been a drunk, but he had been a part of Minister's Creek, too. A character that the townspeople knew and recognized, and John perhaps knew best in his own way. All that now seemed like a million years ago to John, as he watched whatever was left of old Sam, or, more accurately, whatever had infested him, begin to writhe. He was running out of time. John knew that. His whole body was beginning to give, and whatever fight had been in him when he had started this was quickly fading. Now was the time, and he needed to move. Broken arm and body be damned. John forced himself with what strength he had left and lifted the canister, but it was too much, and it slipped from his fingers as he lost control, clanging against the floor. Gasoline began to glug out in bursts. Ignoring his screaming body, John dropped the LED with his bad hand and lifted the gas canister now with both arms. Too late for anything else, he turned and began to throw the gas in wide arcs of the canister, moving about from one end of the cellar to the other. The finger-like things stretching down from the walls and ceilings recoiled and shook, the sound of them all at once like rattlesnakes in the night. John ignored them, and he ignored the puffing and snapping sounds coming from the thing in the closet as he worked. Then, when the canister was half empty, he came back to it. The thing had pulled itself upright. The blanket of yellow and fuzz half slumped off, revealing a lump of mashed and bloated skin that had been Sam's face once. More pale fingers protruded like roots from his nose, mouth, and eyes, blossoming into little multi-pronged tips of yellow. Coils as thick as branches bound it to the wall, but it reached outward toward John, trying to touch him. The jaw moved in a mockery of speech. John turned the canister over on it, throwing the contents across the thing's face and body. Trails of yellow smoke and dust poured from its hollowed nose and open jaw as it screamed silently, emitting puffs of dust and spores as the stem smacked wetly against the ceiling. John watched in disbelief, even then trying to wrap his mind around the impossibility of what he was seeing. Insane, he thought. It's insane. An insanity. He fumbled in his pocket one last time and found the lighter. On the first click, it failed to spark, and John felt cold for the first time since stepping onto the property. He thanked whatever force of good there still was when it sparked and kept on the second try. Then he threw it. The creature was almost on its feet when the lighter bounced against its chest. Flames erupted from it, then spread violently upward, blowing like a gust through the cellar. The sudden rush of flame knocked John backwards, pushing him down to the ground hard. He watched as the flames ate away at the body and stems like paper mache watched as what had been old Sam Trafford collapsed in on itself, but only stopped moving entirely once the flames had reached the insides. He felt the little fungi on the ground next to him trembling as the fire began to spread back down the walls and along the floor. It was then that John felt his arm, the searing heat, and saw his sleeve had caught fire too and drew himself up. Smoke, black and acrid, filled the room now, but he kept his eyes on the spot where the body had been. Even as John rolled onto his arm, smothering out the fire eating his jacket. He kept his eye on the blaze until he could see nothing but a black husk in the swirling flames. The ceiling was entirely engulfed in flames now, spreading to the walls and support beam nearest him. Smoke molted the orange light that flickered through the cellar. Throbbing all over, John crawled painfully toward where he had come, 
Rivers of thick smog, hot and raging, flowed past him, toward the upstairs, through the doorway he had fallen eight feet above. There was no way back up the staircase, which was not there. He cursed himself for rushing in, for falling, for whoever had taken out the damn stairs. His mind turning, he looked frantically around the obscured room for anything to stand on, or we out of the burning house around him. Above him, the fire had spread over more than half the basement ceiling as the house groaned like a dying animal. A violent cough overtook him, and he went to his knees again, his vision turning dark with each burst of coughing. His eyes stung and watered as snot ran from his nose. He couldn't breathe, desperately gulping at the air by the floor. It was then he could see the light cutting in sideways through the smoke. A shaft of a sunbeam still poking through a wood chute halfway up the far wall. Crawling, John moved on his elbows, pain bursting in blooms from his whole body as he clawed his way across the room. Something above him snapped, and he felt the whole house shiver in a loud, prolonged sigh. Against the wall, he felt along the edge, searching for what he hoped would be there. His hand found the narrow tunnel, little more than a hole the size of a barrel for wood to slide down. Planting his arms ahead of him, John used the last of his strength, pushing and straining headfirst until he emerged onto the side of the lawn. With labored breath, he slithered through a tuft of grass like a man reborn from the earth itself. He wound his way around the house and back down the drive to the truck, which stood like a stalwart horse awaiting the return of its rider. John climbed in the driver's seat, now fully appreciating the damage done to both arms as his nerves cried out like never before. He managed to make the phone call to the fire and medical station, and the dispatcher assured him the trucks and ambulance had been deployed. Unknown cause, he had said. He told them he had spotted it when making a run out to town. He tried to go inside, make sure no one was in there, when a falling piece of wood got both his arms real bad. John turned to watch the house as the flames leaped up and out through the gaps in the ceiling before the main beams began to buckle and finally collapse. Just make sure medical gets out here real quick, he said. Let the fire trucks take their time.